Hello, and welcome to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking. I'm your host, Jim Roos, owner and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. In the past, consumers relied almost exclusively on legacy banking institutions for their financial interactions. Today, businesses across all industries can provide financial services with the help of traditional financial institutions or even on their own. Embedded financial services within the user journey makes the experience seamless and is really a benefit to the consumer where they don't have to actively do banking transactions. The question becomes, what role will traditional banks play in the open banking, embedded banking, and connected banking future? My guest on the Banking Transform podcast is Anthony Burton, Senior Vice President of Open Banking, Embedded Banking, and Connected Banking at Truist. Anthony shares how Truist will be embracing this opportunity and how this will impact the current and future direction of the bank. Embedded banking, open banking, and connected banking are all central to the digital banking transformation journey at legacy financial institutions. As part of the major technology modernization efforts, Truist is rethinking their distribution and customer experience business models to future-proof revenues and growth. So, Anthony, can you share a little bit about your career path before you've gotten to Truist and how that may have prepared you for what you now are embarking on at Truist? Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, before Truist, I was at Wells Fargo for about 10 years, and the last seven of those, I uh, was focused on uh, la- launching our retail open banking at, at Wells Fargo. So, I've uh, been very, uh, very deep in this space, uh, was also a founding member of the FDX Financial uh, um, Data Exchange Consortium. Um, so, you know, very passionate here. And then with Truist, um, I'm in Charlotte. Truist has their new headquarters in Charlotte. Um, and it was a kind of a perfect timing of, I was looking for a change. Truist had been deferring their open banking stuff until after the merger, obviously. And, uh, now that the merger is, uh, closing down, um, now they're ready to focus and they're all in and, uh, and they obviously wanted to bring some folks in that, uh, could hit the ground running and not, you know, start from scratch. So, uh, yeah, I've been there for about three months now and, uh, and, you know, getting my feet wet and, and understanding the lay of the land there and, and what we need to do. And I think we're in a, in a good spot to not just catch up, but actually, you know, leapfrog over. So your title talks about you're in charge of embedded banking, open banking and connected banking. <laughs> we're, we're caught in the banking industry in, in all kinds of definitions and everybody kind of defines the whole element of that differently. How do you differentiate between those three, or are they all the same at Truist, and what is the benefit of each one of them? Yeah, I think that there's a, there's definitely a crossover. I would say open banking is sort of the general umbrella that we we work in or we work under. I lead connected banking there. Connected banking is underneath open banking, and then, then there's another side of that where it's going to be commercial. Um, so for our commercial clients, having having APIs that are that are working with them. Um, and so, and I think embedded banking is effectively a layer that, that spans both of those things. So having something, I would even say contextual banking as, as well. So it's, it's something that's happening in the context of your journey when you're working within an app, whether it's our app, whether it's an app off of us, uh, having your data connected and, um, going both ways actually to provide better outcomes, uh, within it's, it's not just a dumb connection, right? It's now, right. We're, we're now like leveraging the data that we know about you, uh, working collaborative, collaboratively with fintechs or other applications to get more data to actually pr- provide some insights or, or, or uh, products that can, um, that can be helpful for our clients. You know, it's interesting in all the podcasts we do and in the writing I do for the financial brand, 
it usually comes down to leadership, whether or not somebody's going to be successful or not. And, and that seems to be very easy, but it's also very difficult because we all talk about digital banking transformation, wanting to become a digital bank. You mentioned already that, you know, I'm not going to say things are on hold, but certainly the focus in the merger of, of BB&T and SunTrust was to make Truist real. Yep. And at any point, the prioritization of initiatives would take precedent based on the 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 ability to bring the organization together. Because if it's not together, everything else fails. That's right. That said, how is the leadership at Truist today different in the way they talk, the way they act, and the way they engage from a cultural basis and actually implement against becoming a digital bank? Because I know that was the the foundation upon the, which the, right. the merger was brought about, bringing new technology to scale and that. That's a heady heady initiative. It it's is. not just about changing the signs at the branch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And uh, <laughs> it's actually a big reason why I even joined Truist. Um, you know, they, to your point, they they're, they're, they didn't take two legacy systems and put it in and then put a layer over both of those systems, right? They really did create a new bank with uh, very microservices fo focused. I would say um, <clears throat> the, leader, the leadership right now is very, very eager to uh, move forward and and you know to your point like knowing that there was a backlog of initiatives and stuff that we had to kind of defer until we got all the all of the merger stuff right because you have to do the banking stuff first right you can't just jump, jump into right. initiatives if you're not doing your core stuff first so uh, I think we're there now and um, and I would say the leadership is very focused to, to take advantage of this new tech stack that we have to drive innovation to move fast to collaborate um, I would say that uh you know, being in banking for as long as I have, you know, I, I use sports analogies a lot, but, you know, you can say, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of times where banks would say, hey, we're a fast pay or a fast break offense now. But you, you can have fast break uh, plays, but you may not have fast break people <laughs> on that team. Right. You still have people who run a half court offense. Right. And so I think the thing that's been super encouraging for me since my three months at Truist is that it's a fast break team and, and, a, and a fast break system and a fast break team. And everyone's very, very uh, very, you know, locking arms around moving as quickly as we can. Uh, we know that we have some catch up work to do, but we're not even looking at the catch up stuff. We're really looking at long term and um, being a being a digital forward bank. So you have an interesting perspective because you come from a legacy bank, but a legacy bank that's certainly ahead of the curve sure. as far as the industry concerned with regard to open banking, connected banking, and uh, and embedded banking. You're coming in kind of aspirationally showing people where you need to go and hoping the faster I can get past where I was before, That's right. the better. And I'm not going to yeah. put one company above the other because yep, yep. you're doing it differently. I mean, yeah. there's, when, you're, when you're working from a clean slate, what you want to achieve is a little different than working from something that you already were working on. That said, what are the biggest challenges that you're seeing in the implementation of some of these new initiatives and how does your back office structured to support that? Because the reality is when we talk about embedded banking, open banking, customer experience or engagement, the back office is usually the sticking point. Sure. We can make it look really good on the front end, but we the way it's built on the back end is different. So what are some of the challenges that you're already seeing that you're going to be having to address, which are, again, I don't want to make it look like it's the truest problem because the yeah. reality is it's an industry problem, as you discussed yesterday in your session, the MX Experience Summit. The reality is what is the challenges that you're seeing right now? Uh, you know, I, I would say that the challenges are just that, that we're starting this. I wouldn't say that we have... Um, uh, you know, going back to the, back to the fact that we're very microservices focused at this point, 
Um, <laughs> we did just acquire uh, a company's Zaloni's Arena software. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think, you know, I've been in banking long enough where we get data in, data out and all that stuff. We have a lot of data that just collects dust, right? You don't actually do anything with it. It may, be, it may, end, may end, up, end up on a PowerPoint, but it doesn't actually become an actual, out, actionable outcome for our customers, right? So um, I would say the challenge is just, you know, now that we know we're, we're very focused on data, uh, you, know, you know, cleansing that data and analyzing that data to, to you know, pr provide better outcomes for our customers. I would say that just the, the challenge is just we're, we're starting it, right? Like we're, we're in the early phases of it. So it's, we're kind of learning as we grow, but I think it's less, about, less the, the fact that the technology isn't there. Um, and that and the, the willingness isn't there. I think that we're, you know, going back to the fact that Truce is definitely a digital forward bank. We can't do that without data, right? Whether that's right. connecting the data for, for our customers out to other experiences, bringing data back in and, and giving them the outcomes that they need. Um, I would just say the challenges were just we're just in that those early phases figuring out. You know, it's interesting because you, you mentioned that and you, you it's as if you're looking at my script and saying, OK, is this is where we're going to take it next. Because the reality is we all know that the foundation of everything we're talking about is data analytics. That's right. But it's more than that because banking traditionally has used data and analytics as an assessment tool, as a management tool, as a progress tool, as opposed to, and we talked about before the podcast, as opposed to making it so that it actually touches the consumer. What is Truist doing? Because it, it really gets into the open banking, embedded banking, and connected banking. That's right. What is Truist doing and how are they getting there to say, it's not going to be about better reports. It's going to really be about better experiences and yeah. better engagement. What are you doing? Because there's no financial system, no matter how big they are, that this isn't really top of the agenda, but it doesn't mean they're actually acting on it. We know we're all right. in an immature state from a data analytics standpoint, but how is Truist doing that? I think the best, or best uh, metaphor, it's almost like creating a virtual personal banker for the, for, for our customers. Right. So we have a truest assist product that helps, helps our customers. Um, but there, there's, I think there's using all of that data as if that was a human being who's looking at your, all of your thing, all of, all of the data across, not just your truest relationship, but all these other relationships and, and just say, Hey, it looks like you may potentially need a personal loan. Mm -hmm. Hey, do, are you really using all of these subscriptions that you're using and, and really just trying to be an, an advisor to them? Like, a, you know, I don't want to use the term robo advisor, but a, yeah. a, a virtual advisor to them and, and someone who is like Truist is actually that they, that they feel when they're with Truist that they have a banker with them no matter what. And um, and so, again, we're in the early stages of that. But I think that that's really where we're trying to go at the end of the day is, you know, we're very hyper focused on helping our communities and helping our clients. And the best way to do that is for them to feel like they have somebody who is with them at all times, uh, you know, w within their journey. So if, you know, whether you're, you know, leaving college and we can help you with getting, you know, potentially your first mortgage or something like that, um, you know, but, but it's less about pitching products. It's, it's about, you know, how do, how do, how can we help you on your journey? Right. Like there could be insights with that, that, that right. and that's all right. And right. that could be all it is. And, um, but we're, we're really trying to be there for our customers throughout their journey. So, what is your relationship, your department's relationship with the people that actually are doing the data and analytic work? And I don't mean, is it a good relationship, bad relationship, but how intertwined are your mission? Because you can't go without them. That's right. And the reality is their future depends on you in many ways. That's right. Uh, so, it, you know, three months in and we're, we're yeah. in, in, in some new players with, you know, our- But it was a moving train when you got there. That's it wasn't a, It wasn't at the station necessarily. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So we're, we're building that right now. But, yeah. but to your point, it, we're very highly cognizant of that fact that, that you can't, we can't do anything without them. 
Um, you know, what I, one of the things I was talking about with, with, as we're building our team out is that, you know, we need data analysts on this stuff, right? We, we can't just, it can't just be me. We all need data yeah. analysts. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and the recent acquisition of arena will help us with that too. And so, um, yeah, at the end of the day, I think we, you know, we're, we're, we're tied at the hip with them. Um, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm helping provide the rails and, uh, and, and the highways of bringing data in and out. And we need, we need to partner with our data team internally to also then, you know, make, make use of that data one way or the other. So you're, you're located, as you mentioned, in Charlotte in the new facility that That's right. uh, Truist has built, which is really, as I understand it, an innovation lab in a big scale. Was that intentional from the stand from the beginning or are you there because you were located there before? Um, I, well, I mean, it, it helps that I'm there because you know, <laughs> uh, it's a great space yeah. and, uh, and the space is it was intentionally built for collaboration, uh, not just with fintechs and other companies, but even with our clients, having our clients come in and prototyping stuff with them and just seeing if this is you know resonating or, or not. Um, I love that space. It's a, it, it's, you know, you, you walk in, it's, you know, two floor, two stories high. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, floor to ceiling windows. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous, and yeah. um, and it really does make you feel like innovative, and which is you know, I'm, you know, banks are typically you walk in, it looks like office space most of the time, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. so you're you're kind of going into a a place that's really exhilarating, um, and I think it's a great place to host clients, to host host other companies that we're trying to collaborate with. Um, it, but so it was intentionally built that way, and and I'm just you know lucky that I lived in Charlotte that I could actually take advantage of it. So it's interesting, you know. Truist is obviously the combination of two very legacy banks. I mean, as if you're looking at history, you'd say sure. they're about as legacy as they get. <laughs> Employees, however, look all the time and saying they're looking out for themselves. Sure. They, they, they love their company, but at the end of the day, they're going, is this digital banking issue going to outplace me? How is Truist working with employees across the board, especially in your area, to make them know that this future is even brighter because of this, as opposed to, geez, you know, we, we, we you're not going to find a, a, usually a data engineer in the branches that's been working as a teller, as a branch manager. However, for the branches to really help your initiatives, they have to understand what you're doing and the, the broader scope of that. How's that done at Trust? Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to leadership, right? I mean, um, our leaders are, have been fantastic about saying, hey, we're one bank and it's a new bank, right? We're, we're this, this is, I know how we did things at SunTrust. Sure. I knew we did things at BB&T, but we're Truist now. And, and, and it's great for me, you know, coming in because I'm pretty new, but, um, but there are a number of folks who are, who are, who've worked at both of the banks for a while or in new roles, they're doing new things. And, um, and, and basically our leadership is kind of saying, you know, we're, we are merged, we are merged now. We are truest. Like we are not SunTrust and BBNC anymore. And that has really like filtered down to folks. And I think that it's also been really attractive for new folks coming in because, uh, for me, I'll speak my, my own personal experience. Um, you know, it's tough when you, you know, I, I had 10 years at Wells Fargo, I had a lot of political capital there. I knew a lot of people and, uh, and that's tough to replicate when you go somewhere else. At least I know this space. So I knew right, that and, right. I, and they were bringing me in. To, to you know, some that. of the, you know, the midpoint of the, you know, the next station. That's right. And, yeah. and I know all the people in the industry and, and, and I'm, so I'm coming with all those connections, but you know, still I needed to come into a new, a new bank and, and make new relationships. Yeah. And, 
the fact that a lot of people who'd even been there before are also making <laughs> new relationships right. and in new roles uh, made it feel like I'm not the only kind of new guy, so right. to speak, right? So, um, so I think that it really, the, the leadership's done a great job of, of really just saying, hey, to your point, we're not a legacy bank anymore. We intentionally built this bank to be innovative, to be digital forward. Um, you know, we're, we're obviously, if you look at where we're, where, where we're located, we're, you know, predominantly in the Southeast and East coast, but, um, but we, there's no reason that, that, you know, our digital forward, you know, approach can't go nationwide. So when you're looking at embedded banking, connected banking and open banking, how important as you're looking at now and even looking at how you're going to differentiate from the industry, how important is, is speed and scale of implementation. You know, we, we get into the whole role of saying, okay, we, we need to get this implemented this year. Well, the reality of the world today is we got to get it implemented in the next two months, things that in our mind would have taken a year, 18 months to implement. And nothing could be truer to that than the PPP loan process. Yeah. But it really is true when you're talking about coming in new, knowing at least partway where you want to go because you've been there, but also what you want to do differently. What, what is the importance of speed and scale, not just for what you're implementing, but all the foundational things behind you, they have to also go that way. Yeah, I think it comes down to building the right architecture up front, right? So, I mean, I think, um, you know, my previous role, we were, we were one of the first to go out there with open banking, and it was great. And we, right. and we, and we um, you know, we took our lumps on the, along the way, but we, we did a great thing, and, and it was a great team. But, you know, truthfully, at the end, you know, with the architecture, uh, was, you know, we, we had a lot of first mover debt, right? So we were having to like tack on things and not, and, and not have, you know, to your point about scalability and actually building a, a tech that can scale. And so, um, I think the, that's the big thing that I'm bringing right now is that, you know, bringing my lessons learned and, and, you know, leveraging, I think in a lot of ways, the, the, the funny thing is that I tell, you know, leaders at, at Trist now is that, um, in a lot of ways, it's actually, you know, better be lucky than good sometimes. And, you know, by, by deferring some of this work, it allowed FDX to mature, it allowed a lot of other things to mature, allowed a lot of the aggregators to, to be a lot more collaborative in this space than they were when I first started talking with them. Um, so I think that, you know, as long as we have the right technical architecture, um, you know, we, we can, like I said, we can catch up very quickly and then, and then just keep going because, um, you know, we, we're not having any of that first mover debt anymore. It's my impression, correct me if I'm wrong, that your roles in, again, embedded banking, connected banking and open banking, it's not just technology. There's a human aspect to that as well. But that human aspect only is empowered if you democratize the data and the insights across a much broader array than the people that do the reports at the end of the month. How is Truist addressing that? Because that, that really is a, a very transformational shift in banking, but also in how you share insights so that people can make decisions. I, I usually talk about the fact that, you know, with people moping more and more accounts digitally, your branches need to do the cross-selling because it, 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 we just don't have the right elements using a digital engagement to take it to the next level you would as you would in a one-to-one -one relationship. How are you, what is your perspective on the democratization of data as it relates to your role at, at Truist? Yeah, so, you know, right now we're focused on, on you know, just laying the foundation of Connected Bank, getting, getting our, our customers off of being screen scraped, right, and, and onto our APIs. So that's step one. Um, but to your point, step two, and this is really where it's going, is bringing, that's, that's one one path of the highway. Now we got to bring the other path in, right. right? So that's the other, those are the two prongs of Connected Banking to bringing data back in. And so, 
just like any bank, right? There's a lot of line of business initiatives that use one uses MX. There's some that use yeah. others, and and there and there isn't really that cohesive data strategy that's there, right? And so um, that is what we're fast following on to with uh, yeah. with the migration off of screen scraping is, you know, we're we're going to be the 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 partners of to, to all of our LOBs, to all of the other folks within our you know our branch folks or whatever, um, where. We're the data experts. We're the ones who are bringing folks in. If they need something, maybe we go partner with somebody that that they need. Um, but we have we're that sort of grand central station of of the data for them. So it's not just our customers they are leaving. It's actually bringing data in. Both of those things, all that all that stuff, all has to be centered around cli client outcomes and and helping our clients. So I think the the strategy is that grand central, and 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 will be that will be that internal highway for our for our folks. So before we take a short break, one one thing I did, and I, I came out to you at the beginning of the, before we even got on the podcast, the fact that I was saying, okay, so you take one big legacy bank, you take another big legacy bank, and we're all of a sudden saying we're going to have a digital bank that comes together. But the real, and I even, I even, I would say made fun or, or questioned the buying of real estate in Charlotte to make it look good. But it really does sound that that has had a very instrumental role in making it so that at least within that unit, the people that are meant to really do new things in new ways are in the same location and feeding off each other from a from a, a cultural standpoint. Because if you're in one of the legacy locations, you you're surrounded by legacy people, and that's not good or bad because you need history in order to build, as you well know, at Wells Fargo. But it's hard sometimes to to put the other foot in the water if you don't have the environment around you. So has that really helped the the overall engagement and, and what you're doing in the last three months? I think that space is, it, it, it really, because to your point, it's <clears throat> we're saying that we're going to be digital forward, we're going to be innovative, and you walk into just your standard office space environment, it doesn't really feel that way. You can go to a conference room and you can do but it's it's this open air, two-story area. It just when, just by walking in there, you feel like this is a, this is a creative space, yeah. right? And so um, you're almost held accountable by your counterparts around 100%. you because oh, yeah. everybody's got to have that energy going. Yeah. Somebody lets down, they let everybody down. Yeah, there's a little green space where you can sit on, you know, you know, bean bags and just kind of chat, or there's swings if you need to go out yeah. there to kind of take a break or whatever. But um, but no, it, it, I think that you know, again, kudos to our leadership of, of not just. Uh, you know, uh, talking the talk, but walking the walk by giving us that space to be that, be that creative, be that collaborative. Right. Um, it does make a huge difference. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at Microsoft.com backslash financial services. So, Anthony, opposed to traditional banks who have certainly owned the entire value chain, banking as a service players, embedded banking players, open banking players, really opens up the network from both a standpoint of who you engage with yeah. from fintech firms. is either a provider or a capture of the insight from an innovation standpoint but also from the standpoint of revenue. So as you're working with outside organizations, are they right now in, in the stage you are in this whole process, are they fintechs that are providing you the innovation juice to get things going faster and at scale? Or are you really looking just as much at or more so at the embedded banking component, which is providing the banking services to non-financials? Uh, probably both, actually. I, I would say that, um, you know, I, I think to me, 
you know, we talked about this on our, on the panel yesterday where, you know, um, Jane asked, where do you guys think this is all going? Right. And I was yeah. just like, I say, I say, I say this, you know, quite honestly, I don't know. And I, and I but I say that in a good way, right? right? I think that what we're really trying to do is once we create that infrastructure of data in, data out, collaboration, connectivity with all these, with, with all, it, it just opens up all kinds of use cases that we're not, none of us are really even thinking about right now. And so what's core to that is, are those data connections and, and that collaboration with, with folks. So I, I think it could be something um, where we're working with fintechs to uh, not just provide innovative juice to us, but actually giving us uh, data that we don't normally use for maybe right. underwriting or right. something like that, right? So, uh, or it could be, hey, we're letting our customers uh, do me to me transfers within QuickBooks or whatever. So um, I think that, but those, those are just the, the kind of like table stakes stuff that we talk about now. To me, I think the really exciting part is it's, you know, we're building a highway where it's just, it's just forest right now. You build that highway, those forests get mowed down. Yeah. You get, you get, you know, all kinds of shops and new things that start getting built around that. And I think that's the part, that's where we're going here in the next five years. And that's what's really exciting. And I think Truce is really well positioned to, to take advantage of that. So you have a very interesting position. You're coming in as the new kid on the block, but having been around the block more than once <laughs> in the same area, you're coming to an organization that had a pretty much an open slate and you're building something that hadn't been built before from a, a Anthony Burton perspective. Number one, how are traditional organizations right now? Do you think that most are getting it wrong in the concept of open banking, connect banking and, and uh, embedded banking? And just as importantly, what is the stamp that you're going to put on this whole initiative that you say, this is what's been in my mind for a long time? Because you, this is an interesting role. Yeah, you, yeah. I don't get the opportunity to talk. I, I talked to, you know, uh, I talked to Varro, you know, and I've talked to others at the very beginning of their journey. And, and you, you don't get the opportunity very often to talk to somebody that has to go real fast with a platform that they know is going to work or not work and going to put their personal stamp on the whole thing. So between you and your and the rest of your team, what, what is the thing that, number one, you think that most traditional banks are probably getting wrong in this whole space? Number two, what's we done different at Truist? Yeah, I think, uh, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I would say it's being wrong, but I would say that it's more of a short-sightedness. I think a lot of traditional banks are looked at this as a risk play only, right? Like, let's get let's get people off screen Jeez, scraping. That sounds like traditional banking, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Let's get people off screen scraping and get an API, and then kind of, we're all done. You know, we, we fixed that problem. Risk is out, out or, or severely mitigated, and let's move on to the next thing. And so, to me, I'm like, yes, you do need to do. You need to mitigate that risk. That is that is laying the foundation. But it's it. managing as opposed to avoiding it. That's correct. It's it, looking at Amazon and saying they said, "Oh, you don't have to return anything that was wrong size or wrong color at Christmas," knowing that that was not that big of a risk for them. Yeah. But I couldn't ever imagine a bank saying, eh, don't worry about the overdraft charge. We're, we're, we'll right. carry you for a while right. without some kind of manipulation on the risk side. Right. But that's a, that's a major change. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, I do think you have traditional organizations who are just looking at the risk play, um, you know, and, and moving on to the next thing. To me, the moving on to the next thing is the next thing within open banking. Right. right. right? So, yes, you do need to mitigate that risk. But, like, you know, we, we've we laid the foundation. Let's now build the house and, and, and build the neighborhood and, and all of that stuff, too. So, um, you know, going back to what I said earlier, I think I just think this whole area is greenfield. And I think that organizations probably, you know, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I don't, I don't think there's enough leadership thinking, hey, this is the, the, this is just the, the new channel that we're going to go in. It's, you know, we had online banking, you had mobile banking, open banking is the next channel. And, yeah. and, and, and that's the next thing. And I think that um, there probably aren't enough people out there in traditional uh, organizations who are thinking that way. So what's Truist going to do differently that's going to make a difference? 
Uh, I think that they've got, we've got the right team uh, to, to think that way. I mean, number one, I mean, I think we're, we're looking to take calculated risks, right? And, and uh, you know, it's, it's still a bank, so we're not going right, to just right. do anything, you know, and, but, but I think we- But you have the technology stack, which is really that's right. a major initiative. And a big reason why I came too, because it allows us to fail forward, right? So I, I think, um, you know, we're, we're going to do things and, and maybe it doesn't go out 100% the way we wanted it to. But the 80% is something that we can use for and, and tweak the 20%. Or maybe we try something and it doesn't go at all what we wanted it to, but it actually is something better. You know, and yeah. so in and I think that's the thing where, where a lot of banks are uh, you know, they're, they're just they're so risk averse of ever trying those kinds of things and taking those leaps. And that was a big reason why I came to Truth because of that tech stack where we're we're able to move and iterate. Um, and, 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 and makes, make, make some changes that, that, uh, that I think traditional banks wouldn't, wouldn't normally do. Well, it's interesting. So it's said a lot about your personal transformation as well, because you were doing really well at Wells and, and they've done very well, Yep. but to take this next leap and say, okay, I'm going to apply this. I, I go back to my very beginning of my career where I went from a, tr a traditional bank to more of a, an innovation bank because they were smaller and they had to move quickly, but they said, we're going to give you the open sandbox. And it was one of these things I'm going okay, I know some things I haven't been able to implement where I was because it's a big, big, big bank. And I was maybe not even ready at the time. But I said, at least they're going to give me the, the, the runway yeah. to fail, which again, it gets back to risk. I, as people that follow me on any platform know, I, I go with the embrace, change, take risk and disrupt yourself, both from a commercial corporate basis, but also from a personal basis. But that taking risk is such a big deal. Yeah. And the embracing changes because if you can't embrace the change that we all have to do, nothing you're going to do is going to succeed. That's right. I mean, at the end of the day. So the real beauty of, of open banking and embedded banking and all the others is that there's some new revenue models that can come out of that. 100%, yeah. What do you see as it's a future there? What do you see as a revenue model that may come out of that? You know, I think that, um, the, the you know, without saying like certain products, I think the to me, I think the really exciting thing is the collaboration with fintechs to create new products. I think that that's, that's a, that it, it's instead of it saying, what's another stream that's coming into a current product of ours that we have, or can we launch a new credit card and, and, you know, put that out in a, in, in a, like a digital only credit card. I mean, there, there's things like that, but to me, I think the real, the real heart of all this open banking is collaboration with fintechs. I think traditionally it's been a bit of an antagonistic relationship between fintechs, data aggregators and, and banks and, um, again, I think, you know, truest at this point in time, a big reason is that that whole area is matured right now. So, I mean, this summit's been a great example of you've had a number of banks who big to small who are, who are here. You have, uh, MX obviously is a core data aggregator out there. And then a lot of fintechs and people are just kind of riffing off of each other and just trying to figure things out. So I think, um, without being prescriptive, I think the, the new revenue streams are really around, how can we partner together to, to create some new products for our customers? And it's not- And a, charge them for it. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the reality is that yeah, is a major yeah. change. It's like you mentioned risk. I'm going to say charging people a yeah. fair value exchange, but we got to do our part. That's if we don't give yeah. it to the consumer, we can't be asking for fees. And, and, and that's why I always come back to client outcomes. If we're, if we're doing something <laughs> that's actually affecting, affecting positive change to our customers, they will, they will gladly give value back for that, right? So- uh, what, uh, what, what, you know, you have to play that balance of being kind of creepy, right? You don't want to just yeah. be, you know, I know so much about you. I'm going to throw this at you right now. And, and, but if you can provide value and we talked about your, you know, Wells is my personal bank. If you can use that to show me that you're making my life better, sure. 
just like with Amazon. I never worry about the Amazon data that they have on me. Yeah. I know they know more about me than I want them to know. <laughs> But every day they bring value. That's what we have to do as financial institutions, you know. And, you know, when you look at this also, we're all moving towards some version or maybe not of the super app mentality. What is your position on super apps, the potential in the, in the, in the states, but even maybe subsets of that? I think um, I'm just a big proponent of data portability, right? So our, our customers should be able to interact with Truist wherever they are. And whether that is through a super app, whether it's within whatever contextual experience that they have, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm kind of like, let's see when we get there with, with, with some of that stuff. I think that going back to what I said earlier, when, you know, by creating these, these highways of data and, and actually having data analytics and, and data scientists on that, um, I just think there's all kinds of new things that are come there. I, I wouldn't just you know, corner ourselves into whether it's a super app or not. I think that there's just so many. Well, there are only so many super apps, but right, it's right, ma right. a matter of where are you going to play in that marketplace? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if we have a, a strict stance on that at this point. I mean, yeah. I think that, you know, right now we're, we're, we're just very uh, focused on, on the creative and, and collaborative aspect of this. And, um, and then let's see where it goes. You know, I mean, I, I couldn't have, when I started open banking seven years ago, I couldn't have imagined that we're where we are today, right? right? So, I mean, there are lots of things that have come because of that. Better better data is obviously a big thing, which is causing or creating more and more innovation out in the marketplace. So, as this collaboration continues and it's and it's that that two way you know uh, um, uh, handshake between fintechs and, and banks. I mean, I think if you use the last seven years, where were we going to be in seven years? I don't know, and I think that's great. Yeah. So we usually take a, a longer-term vision of saying, where do you think this is going to be in this many years? But from a truest perspective, I'm just going to go like two years. Where, and not where you think it's going to be, but where do you want your area of truest to be two years from now? I want uh, my, my North Star with all this is, you know, we, gotta, we have to fix the basics right now or focus on the basics of, of moving folks over from scraping. But I want Truist to be th thought of as a digital bank. I don't want us to be in, in, in a place where fintechs want to come and, and, and work with us. And uh, I want us to be to be considered like the the tech bank. You know that, and and I think uh, it's not just my area. I mean, there's obviously other other yeah. other areas of the bank that are like that, and 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 are and are certainly positioned in the same way. Um, but I do think open banking and, and and connected banking is the heart of that that stuff too. So, um, yeah, I, I my my thing is I want. The, the truest brand to be thought of as the as the tech forward folks and 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 that you know all these Silicon Valley uh, startups that are coming up they're just like hey we're gonna go down to Charlotte and yeah, <laughs> yeah. go go talk to these guys and and make sure when they're possibly knocking on multiple doors they pick you over whoever else may that's be right. on the other corners of the of Charlotte that's right that's right that's right, that's right. Um, what stands in the way of reaching that that aspiration that you have. Um, you know, it's just, probably just uh, resource scale, right? I mean, I think that we we're going to have to we're going to need bodies to do this, right? And um, and not that that's a, a obstacle right now. Right now, with the economy we, being in doubt, yeah. You, you know, we see some organizations scaling back, sure. just on an umbrella basis, where they're scaling everything back. We see some be doing a little bit better decisioning on prioritizing prioritizing where they're scaling back, right, but right. that that obviously plays into the mix right now. It does, and I think the. 
the technology stack is 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 good that we don't need an army of people, right? I mean, that, that's that's really what it should be. You have a, a lean tech stack, right. you have a lean lean force that's over it. Uh, that said, we will need some more folks, right? So, yeah. and and, I, and and listen, we have full commitment from leadership, so I'm not worried about that. Uh, to your point, you know, obviously, economy plays it's, that's a reality we'll have to deal with. Um, but I, but I you can't stop that engine right yeah, now. No, no, you can't. You, you shouldn't. We, we shouldn't. That, that's the challenge I think everybody's facing. Going the things we have to do. Yeah. We still have to do, and if we wait, the funny part about the economy is the outside continues to change. Yeah, and we just end up further behind. And I, and I would say our leadership understands that. And and yeah. and, and to your point, like th- we shouldn't uh, move away from this while the economy is going down, and they aren't. So um, yeah. so we we're, we're still moving ahead. Uh, we, you know, we we just recently had a, a great meeting with them, and 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 they're telling us, you know, full full steam ahead. So um, that's great. Yeah. So I, that's, I, I, that's also great when you your third month and you're going. Okay, oh, it hasn't changed because yeah. that that would have like changed the cards a lot. Yeah, it's funny you say that because we I was actually uh, uh, on my 20th anniversary with my wife in Mexico, and we came back, and it was like that, and then got that news, and I was just like, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and it's funny you mentioned your wife because I know how many. That's the that's the person I have to answer to at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah. Is that okay? This was not a bad move because yeah. you know there's always a challenge out there. Anthony, I appreciate your time. It was great meeting you at uh, the MX Experience Summit. And even more so, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to you Absolutely. really relatively quickly, because I think you know your 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 trajectory, your intended trajectory, is on a six month basis as opposed to I'll talk sure. to you in two years as I've done with many others. But but I think that it'd be interesting to see along the path because what you're touching is really where Truist is going overall. I mean your data people and some others as well. But yep, yep. but if those things break down, then we tend to fall a little bit further. Right. to the legacy bank. Now, that doesn't mean you're behind because there's organizations above you and below you in asset size that have the same challenges. Sure. It's just a matter of can you do it differently? Yeah. And, yeah. and the benefit is you, you have this technology stack, yeah, which is the big can. issue. I think we can. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Banking Transformed, the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. If you enjoyed our show, please be sure to give a five-star rating in your favorite podcast app. Also, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and the research you're doing for the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Hassage, audio engineer, Sean Roll Hoffman, and video producer, Will Pritz. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, remember, simplifying the customer's financial journey is at the foundation of embedded banking and open banking. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.